Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. All right, well, you heard it from Timothy Zahn himself. You are listening to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we talk about canon legends and beyond. Tonight, we are beginning the Darth Bane trilogy by Drew Karpishin, starting with the first book, of course, Path of Destruction. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me, of course, as always, are Ryan Chweck and Chad J. Shank. Over to you, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this book. We're going to spoil the hell out of this book. In addition, over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars, comics, shows, anything that comes to our mind Star Wars, we may spoil. So that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, what's going on in the news? <laughs> uh, we got a few things going on this week. Over on Disney Plus, Visions has started. I gotta say, I love it. I was hesitant when they announced it. Trailer got me more excited. I think it's great. Yeah, I watched the whole thing today. It's you know, if if anybody's listening hasn't watched it. Highly recommend it. They're all, they're like, I'd say the average is about 13 minutes or so. There's one that goes to 20, but they're just all really cool. They're all really different. Definitely stick with it. You know, if you aren't interested in a cartoon punk hut, I don't know what to say to you. (laughs) If you've never wanted to see Astro Boy with a lightsaber, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you. I just assume they'd all be like, feature-length cartoons, at least half an hour. So that's why I was like, yeah, I'll get to them when I get to them. And then I was like, all right, fine. I've got time for, oh, it turns out quite a few of these after work before we record. I binged the whole thing today. I've already started it again because I listened to it the first time in Japanese. So I've already started to get in English to hear all the celebrity voices. But uh, it is definitely well worth the watch. Just remember, it's an anime that looks like Star Wars. It's not Star Wars that looks like anime. Yes. Much like the the High Republic manga I was talking about last episode, this is pure anime with a Star Wars skin to it. Yeah. And one good thing, the uh, one of the Lucas, well, I guess Disney people, though, that um, helped put it together is already putting out that they are looking, while well, not officially announced, looking towards doing another, I guess it's not even a season. I don't know what you would call it, but right a second volume of this. Right. Um, so I think that'd be awesome. Like, it's really cool. Like, I hope they keep doing it. There are several of the stories that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. So it'd be great if they did a second volume and continued some of the characters. Mm-hmm. It made me excited about the Ronin book. It did. Yeah. I'm very interested in that. So, well, we'll talk more about the series when we talk about the Ronin book. Yeah. Uh, also on Disney Plus on November 12th, they are doing a Disney Plus Day Fest. I forgot what they're calling it. But. They're going to release a whole bunch of different stuff on that day, including like Shang-Chi and just some other shorts from all different franchises. Also the reimagining of Home Alone for anyone that's interested. But for the Star Wars side, they're doing a special Boba Fett. It's a, they said it's like a origin or not origin, a exploration and celebration of Boba Fett. You're very excited, aren't you? I can tell you. Boba Fett was never one of my favorite Star Wars characters. And and then in The Mandalorian, he really, I mean, they stepped it up. So I, I'll at least watch it. I mean, 
I'll have to watch something, so I'll watch it. <laughs> um, it's Star Wars. You're going to watch it. Right. Uh, also on the Disney. Did you see Shang-Chi, by the way? Yes, I've seen it twice. I love it. It's real good. Yeah, I haven't got around to it yet. My boy Tony Lung. Oh, yeah. He's great. Speaking of Boba Fett, uh, they did announce that that Ludwig Gorison, the guy that did the composer, the music for The Mandalorian, is going to do the Book of Boba Fett, too, which I'm really excited about. Like, if you've watched the uh, galleries about Mandalorian, that whole episode about him, I think it's going to be really good. What he did with Mandalorian was great. So I'm glad they made that choice. I just kind of assumed. Yeah. Like, I can imagine the other series will have different composers, but Book of Boba Fett just seems like Mandalorian 2.5. It really does. And, you know, with all the rumors of Pascal, you know, and the actual Mandalorian stepping away after this series, like, it makes sense. He seems like he's going to kind of be the the music guy for this little continuity they're creating during that time frame. Over on the video game side, Quantic Dream, who does those narrative video games, have you ever played any of those? Like Walking Dead and stuff? Yeah, it's like those, but this is a different company. They're the ones that not made Telltale, like, right? Not Telltale, but they made like that Detroit Become Human and Heavy Rain and Beyond. Oh, Heavy Rain. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's those oh, guys. Oh, okay. They're making a Star Wars game. Not much is known about it, but they are apparently in production and it's been in development for at least a year and a half. I guess it's going to come out sooner than later. So I don't really love those games, but I've heard good things about theirs. So I'll give it a try, I guess. It's funny how they, uh, how this got leaked or whatever. Somebody posted, um, on a video game rumor site. Uh, it was, uh, who was it? Dual Shockers, which is a PlayStation rumor site posted a rumor about it and the video game company liked it and like <laughs> commented and then quickly took it Whoops. down. <laughs> so, you know, one of those. In other video game news, I discovered that I did indeed have KOTOR 2 in my Steam library. Nice. And I started playing it. Nice. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying playing some KOTOR 2. It's very, very old. <laughs> it's a very old game, and you can tell, but still fun. Oh, sorry. They just updated the story, so I'm reading it. Kotaku, you know, who's the big video game website, updated and it said the game will actually have a more traditional action gameplay and possibly even open world and multiplayer elements. Huh. Eh. Yeah, I was more excited for a a choose your own adventure style. You had me. I would have bought it. I mean, I'm sure I'll play it no matter what, but Mm -hmm. I've played a Star Wars action fighting game before. So I did look up also on video games just because I was interested when we were talking about the KOTOR remake, if Bioware was doing it. And so I wanted to know. Apparently Bioware is not doing it. A studio called Asper Media is doing it. They do, however, uh, employ a lot of the old (laughs) Bioware people. Trent uh, Oster, you know, who's the Bioware guy, I guess now feels free. He kind of came out and said, well, look, here was Bioware's idea for what we were going to do. It's kind of cool to look up and kind of read what they were going to do. And they posted screenshots of some of their updates on what it would look like. And they had apparently pitched it to Lucas Games. I guess it was at the time. And Lucas Games turned them down, which seems dumb now, but... Yeah. And then finally, in our publishing section, we've got a couple of things. Jedi Lost. So you remember Jedi Lost is the other kind of audio drama they came out with um, about Dooku and Asajj. 
So they're going to put out a German version of the book. And if you bought the book, you know, it's just the script. So when you buy like Afra or any of these, and I'm sure eventually this Tempest Runner is going to come out in a book, it's just a script. Well, they have given permission. This is the first time they've ever done this for this German company to turn it into an actual novel. So they're going to go through and rewrite it and make it a book. Hmm. But only in German. Oh, <laughs> and okay. so this this is where my five hundred and seventy eight day streak on Duolingo pays off. <laughs> the other thing that came out today, Amazon updated their release dates, and it looks like Queen's Hope has been delayed from November to April, and then a couple other sites followed suit. There hasn't been an official announcement yet. Usually, when Amazon does that, it's the real deal, which sucks. I was ready for Queen's Hope. And then in our final bit of news, Chad, this is going to make you sad, I think. Mm -hmm. It appears that all Star Wars licenses are going to be pulled from IDW. Oh, wow. The announcement already went out that they pulled the Marvel lines and that Marvel themselves are just going to take back over the younger versions. And then it was quickly followed with a rumor that was pretty substantial that they're going to pull Star Wars too, which is surprising. They've done a lot with High Republic. Um, and my understanding is that comic does well. That comic's essential too. Mm-hmm. And that may be what they're thinking. Like the Marvel IDW stuff, it's good. It's completely different. You know, it sits on its own. It's, you know, out of continuity and all that stuff versus Star Wars, which, you know, that adventures book is completely tied to High Republic and things happen in that book that happens in the rest of Lucasfilm or, you know, in Lucas's stuff. So I can see why they might decide to do that. And it's probably just easier for Marvel to have it under one roof. It's not like the characters are going anywhere. Right. They own it. I mean, we'll probably just get the exact same book and just we'll say Marvel on the front instead of IDW. Just to confirm, E.K. Johnson did tweet that Queen's Hope has been bumped to April 5th. Oh, she has announced it now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just checked her on Twitter, and she said April 5th. Yeah. Something to do with supply chain shenanigans, she said. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. Well, that is all we got for news this evening. All right. Well, speaking of apparently the soon-to-be-dearly-departed IDW books, I only have three comics to mention this week. We have High Republic Adventures, The Monster at Temple Peak, number two, by Kevin Scott and Rachel Stott. It continues the adventure from number one, starring insists that she's not a Jedi more than Ahsoka Tano Ty Yorick uh, as she earns her rep as a monster hunter. Um, those, it feels uh, the book's fun, but it feels inessential. Then in the mainstream books, we have War of the Bounty Hunters, of course. We have Darth Vader 16 by Greg Pak and Raphael Ioneco. It involves Vader chasing Luke in their starfighter it's like a little dogfight. like i said last episode i'm not a fan of luke vader contact between five and six but it was an okay read a lot of psychological stuff about vader that felt like well-worn territory though it didn't feel like it did a whole lot bounty hunters number 16 by saxon and villanelli zuckus is in it bosk is in it dengar's in it boba shows up and valance too uh valance and dengar try to get to the Crimson Dawn auction of Solo. I'm sure you're tired of me saying those words. And so that's am I. still happening, huh? It's still the same night. They get there right as it's wrapping up. Okay. There's a fight with Valance and Dengar versus Boba Fett, which is maybe the closest we've actually gotten to a War of the Bounty Hunters in War of the Bounty Hunters. And uh, I'll let you read to figure out who wins. I wouldn't want to spoil that. So that's all the comics that have come out in the meantime. There'll be a lot more next time.
this week we're going to be doing our deep dive into Darth Bane and the beginning of the rule of two. So we thought it would be good to start with who are some of the best Sith? A, a Sith Hall of Fame, if you will. Mount Sithmore. <laughs> now, we are going to go ahead just as a disclaimer. We will be leaving Vader out of this because I think enough has been said about Vader. Uh, we will also be leaving out Darth Bane because you're about to get approximately five to six hours of us talking <laughs> about Darth Bane and how awesome he is. Yeah. Well, and we're, we're leaving out one more. Yeah, we, we are going to leave out Darth Plagueis because I feel like you've heard of us talk about him enough. And Well, we could always talk more, but I don't... Oh, no, we're going to do another episode on Darth Plagueis. I don't think people want to hear more all the I time. I don't care. <laughs> we could fill up another two hours. Absolutely. Oh, easily. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, Beth, who's your first on Darth Rushmore? <laughs> let's do it. Well, I, I know that we overlap on several of these. So I'm going to pick the ones that you guys didn't. Oh. And I'm going to start. We'll see about that. I mean, I know two of yours right now. So I picked I picked some that maybe not everybody would pick. Well, I picked one definitely not everybody would pick because I picked Darth Tenebris, the nice. creator, if you will, of Darth Plagueis. Because he basically selective bred Darth Plagueis into being. He found two munes that were both force sensitive. He got one of them to be his kind of his little apprentice, sort of apprentice, and sent her off to go hook up with Plagueis's father and, and thus created him. And then kind of, you know, sneakily behind the scenes was crafting him to be his, uh, well, I guess he was planning on him being his host the whole time, but oops. So he eventually, of course, betrays and kills Darth Tenebris, but you know, that's That's how you do. That's how you do in the Sith. We'll we'll talk more about that when we talk about Bane's rule of two. Cause, you know, there's a point to be made for yes, too many Sith do kind of spoil things, but also too few Sith seem to spoil things. So what is the right amount of Sith? That's a that's a big question. Yeah. That's a big question. I think we'll get more, yeah, definitely rule of two. I think that is a very Huge question is how many are the right number of Sith? All right, Chad, who you got for your first pick? <sighs> All right. 4,000 years before Darth Vader, you had Exar Kun, mm. Dark Lord of the Sith, major mm -hmm. figure in the old Sith Wars. Uh, he originated in the Tales of the Jedi comic series from the 90s. He was the first real depiction we ever got of a Jedi's fall to the dark side alongside Yulik Keldroma, who could also be on this list, uh, who he seduced and kind of created the first master and apprentice relationship we'd ever see with the Sith. It also has the first time anyone ever used two lightsabers at the same time, as far as I can recall. Exar Kun has this great moment in the first issue where he grabs two lightsabers and it's like really badass. His spirit would end up getting trapped into the temples in Yavin 4 uh, to be awakened again during the founding of Luke's Jedi Academy. But uh, that stuff was written by Kevin J. Anderson in the 90s and gave us our first because, because they weren't really allowed to touch the rise and fall of Vader. They weren't able to able to touch the prequel era. He kind of created the very first depiction we had of someone's fall to the dark side of, of ancient Jedi and their fall to the dark side in a way that we weren't allowed to see with Vader yet. Nice. For my first pick, I'm going to get my mainstream pick out of the way. If you would have asked me this 20 years ago, this one would not ever, ever be on my list. But it's old Darth Maul. 
Oh, that was my mainstream pick. <laughs> you know, Darth Maul is just gone from this one note. Hey, he looks kind of cool, too. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> one of the most, like, um, in-depth characters uh, who has one of the best story arcs all the way from Clone Wars and Rebels and the books. And what's awesome is we his story's not done yet. There's still these huge gaps between Solo and Rebels and then kind of finishing out where he's at. But at the same time, his story is also done, is done though. Like, it's, it's complete enough that you can feel that it's complete. Yeah. Tell me, is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. I mean, if they if they didn't have any more Maul, I would be at peace with where his story ended. But I mean, there is still more Maul, and he's but a we want to know great all that character, stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I wrote down uh, went from an action figure to being one of the most complex and tragic characters in all of Star Wars. I didn't go see Sam Witwer panels at all during Dragon Con because he wasn't doing a Star Wars panel. I'm like, no, I don't want to hear you talk about Smallville. If you're not going to talk about Star Wars, I don't want to see you. Yeah, Darth Maul, Star Killer, come on. Yeah. That's your mainstream pick, huh? Okay. That is my mainstream pick. Well, I'm going to use my backup mainstream pick, and it's a character we've already talked about because they've already had at least one book, mostly about them. No, a book and a audio drama. Um, so my secondary mainstream pick would be Asajj Ventress. Very cool. Yeah. Not technically. I mean, she was never Darthed, but she was an apprentice. <laughs> she was a Sith apprentice. She now. absolutely counts. She's yeah. still badass. And now that I have seen, I have seen the Asajj Black Series figure in person. And now I want one, even yeah, though I really awesome. don't collect figures. That figure is awesome. I'm yeah. waiting for mine. Hello, big bad toys. She, she looks so good. I mean, she's... Have you recovered Jabba's son? Skywalker is still in possession of the hut and has temporarily eluded me, but he will not escape the system alive. Need I remind you, whoever gains Jabba's favor will control the war in the outer rim. Only we must be allowed to return Jabba's son to him alive. I understand, Master. I will double my efforts. I hope so. She's awesome. I love that she's gotten more stories. I wish that that book about her and uh, Quinlan Voss had made it into the Clone Wars because I think that would have been a really good arc for her. It wouldn't have been as sexy on the Clone Wars, though. Oh, no. It would but not have been. Fantastic book. I think we could have all done with some more Ventress in our lives. I'm going to pick one just based on looks, and I'm going to pick Darth Talon. Mm. Darth Talon is from the Legacy comic books, which took place like 100 years after the original trilogy. Uh, she is a Lethan Twi'lek, which are the redskin Twi'leks. Um, and she's all tatted up, and she kind of looks like a biological Sith from the Old Republic days. She was a cool character, uh, but more than anything, I just liked her look. A Darth Krait from the same time is maybe is more, the more popular Sith and the more famous one. But uh, I always thought she was real kind of a badass, so I'm kind of going style over substance with her. So, funny enough, my next pick is Darth Krait. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, like, Legacy, I think, is such an underrated series. Um, yeah. Kind of came out at the end, but you know, Krait, like he's uh, Het's son, who was the Jedi that yeah, uh, went, Het. yeah, went to live with the same people. His mother is a uh, same person. Just his story with the 
empire. Like he, yeah, they take back over and then the empire's like, wait, nope, we don't want any part of this. And just his story over it about how he gets turned on and he keeps coming back until Kate Skywalker finally kills him and his kind of idea of the one Sith, which is very much a take off on the uh, brotherhood that we're going to re- talk about tonight. Yeah. I kind of, it's neat how that story, he took the lessons of the brotherhood and fixed some of the things in it to make the one Sith army. So yeah, he's an awesome character. All right, Beth, what is your final pick? Well, I was back and forth between these two, um, but since neither one of you guys have used the ones that we talked about before we started the episode, um, I will pick Revan. There you go. Because it's timely, because KOTOR is making a comeback. He is good, then bad, then good again. He he takes the full journey. Again, he, he also looks really cool. He doesn't look quite as cool as Darth Nihilus, but he, he still looks really cool but he's he's one of the best legends sith i think oh he's such a great idea the sith lord with amnesia yeah it works his way back to becoming a jedi only to discover his true nature and then he has to pick a side so good and it also helps he's he's the he's the lead character of arguably the best star wars game also an excellent action figure that one that one i have not seen in person also waiting on mine to arrive <laughs> <laughs> and you can get him in his sith or Jedi gear. Okay, and you. The Jedi one's hard to get. It was a GameStop exclusive. Oh. Uh, he's he's interesting just because, especially at that time, we had not seen somebody so conflicted. There was no Ben Solo when KOTOR came out. So we didn't know that people could be that conflicted, but he, he plays it better. Inarguably, he plays it better. It's it's a much better story. He has a uh, legacy, too. Like, his name keeps popping up and. Mm-hmm everything that comes after right he is a very yeah. long, he's a very influential character at least in the expanded universe all the way down to the book we're talking about tonight and one of the only ones that's in new canon you know revan has met the you got to have two appearances and he's got them there are two mentions at least oh is that what it is so is bane not canon yet i don't think bane is i thought there were a bunch of the old sith that were mentioned in the um what was the Exegol stuff? You see statues. And so, yeah, we know Revan's one of them. Because Bane has one appearance on Clone Wars. Right. And I think that keeps him in. I think because he's right. on screen. Yeah. Revan would have was going to be my last pick. That was a game of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll go with a weird one then. Um, it's either that or Sheev. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like we talk about Sheev a lot. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Vergier. Vergier was a Fosh, which is like this Skeksis looking bird race from the Outer Rim. This was in Legends. And a Jedi who left the Order and ended up living with the Vong on the living planet Zanoma Sekat, joining them during their attack on the New Republic. And as a Sith, she would be the instrumental part in turning Jason Solo into Kylo Ren. I mean, into Darth Cadus. And that story is told in the seriously dark Legends novel called Traitor by Matthew Stover. Honestly, I just wanted to do it because it felt good to drop all those expanded universe names. <laughs> the fact that she was hanging out with the Vong is probably why I don't know who she is because I think I've blocked all that out of my brain. Yeah. She was the one in that book, Traitor. That's the book that uh, Dave talks about a lot as like kind of the darkest Star Wars book he's ever read. Mm-hmm. And it's the one where she basically tortures him and, and turns him into a Sith. Into Cadus. Yeah, into Cadus. And she, you know, Cadus did not make my list. Yeah, I, I thought about Cadus just for <laughs> EU Cadus, <laughs> but yeah. Eh, eh. Uh, for my last one, I went with Dark Nihilus. 
Like, you know, say what you will about Kotar too. Nihilus is a force vampire, and that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I really, the idea of him, like, that he has to suck in all the force, and his body is decayed, so his essence is in the mask, and that's essentially all he becomes in the end. I always thought that was really cool. Also an excellent action figure. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have that. That mask is very cool. And looking stuff up, just to talk about this tonight, I've discovered that if you've seen the movie Spirited Away, No Face was the basis of Darth Nihilus's mask. Mm -hmm. I did not know that, but it absolutely makes sense when you look at them side by side. And it makes that movie so much scarier. Uh, did anybody have any honorable mentions? Uh, one of my honorable mentions, not a Sith, but a dark side user, is definitely Night Mother. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of the Night Sisters and Night Mother and all that. That's always they were always such a good story and such good characters and make for a heck of a challenging level. Oh God. Hard. I remember i I was I think I messaged you guys when I got to Dathomir and I was just like, Oh God. <laughs> Why is this so hard? I want off this planet. You know, just for completion's sake, you know, to mention Tyrannus. How, how do we feel Count Dooku stacks up or does he just kind of or is he, he just more interesting as a character outside of his Darth status? Yeah, yeah, I find him so much more interesting outside of his Sithiness. Like Count Dooku is cooler than Darth Tyrannus is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he ever bought in to the mythos of the Sith. He just kind of yeah. went along because he wanted he didn't like what the Jedi were up to. And he likes shooting force lightning. Who can blame him? But besides that, you guys hit all my... <laughs> it's I, like my list completely overlaps with everybody's. I had Savage pressed down as an honorable mention. Mm. Yeah. Cause he did get night sistered up pretty good into kind of a badass. Yeah. I mean, there's a long, there, there were more really cool ones in legacy. Um, I just picked Talon cause I thought Talon was awesome looking. And you get like a good kind of, you hit the, a lot of the major Sith in these Bane books, you know, as we're yeah. talking, he gets going and finds holocrons and stuff, which is, Xana, I think, would, would would chart on lists, you know. Um, We're not there yet. We're still on rain. <laughs> Lord Khan, you know, carry out <sighs> that. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, he's the worst. <laughs> he's, he is the worst. So let's get to the book. He was the only Dark Lord of the Sith. The last of his kind. The burden of rebuilding the Order would fall to him. But this time he would do it right. Instead of many, there would be only two one master and one apprentice, one to embody the power and one to crave it. So I hope you've got a fan ready because it's about to get hot with hot, beefy Sith action. <laughs> As Path of Destruction by Drew, and I'm not going to try to say it, Karpishen opens, we are introduced to Dez, hunky miner with anger issues. After accidentally killing his dad with the Force and hurting someone else for trying to take his mining spot, Des has put on leave without pay. He, of course, does what any of us would do and uses his powers to cheat at cards against some Republic officers. <laughs> After he kills one of them when they try to get their money back, Des is able to escape to Apatros by joining up with the new Sith army in the new Jedi-Sith war against Lord Hoth and his army of light. As a member of the Gloomwalkers, he quickly mans up and gains respect of his fellow soldiers by using his abilities in battle. On a battle on Phosphorir, Death subdues a commander officer in order to attack the Jedi outpost at night, saving his unit and scoring a victory for the Sith army. However, his officer, to save face, arrests him for mutiny. 
Daz tells his fellow officers to stand down so they won't be punished, including a certain sharpshooter who will become important in about two months from now. Instead of being executed, he's taken by Sith Lord Kopex, who convinces him to join the Sith Academy on Korriban. No Sith or Darth at this point, because they're all a bunch of Sith lights. Des <laughs> takes the Sith name Bane, because his dad called him the Bane of his existence. Sith, the masters of the dark, not subtlety. He then <laughs> trains... And, da under and daddy issues as yeah, well. And daddy <laughs> also the masters of daddy issues. He trains under several masters at the Academy, quickly becoming the top student, focusing on his lightsaber skills. I hope you enjoy forms, because there's a lot of them. After killing another student in the duality ring, he becomes the KD to top student Regina at the school. You guys know Mean Girls, right? Yeah. <laughs> However, he starts to doubt himself, losing his powers in the process. Siric beats him in a duel, and Lord Cardus, the headmaster, decides that no one is to teach him anymore. At this point, Githany, a Jedi turncoat, arrives after she betrayed the Jedi on the battle at Rasan. Trying to remove Sirik herself, she befriends Bane and teaches him what she's learning in her training. He also secretly trains with Kasim, the lightsaber instructor, who reveals what we all knew all along, that double-sanded lightsabers look really cool but aren't real effective. Bane continues to study the ancient Sith in the library and realizes that the old Sith had it right and the new Sith are weak. Make the Sith great again, I guess. Now powerful again, he defeats Sirik, and the Masters agree to train him once again, but he's no longer to study in the Archives. He decides he's not down with that, and leaves to study in the ancient tombs of Korriban, only to find that the Jedi are also grave robbers and took it all. He returns to fake follow the teaching and kills Sirik and his friends, beheading all of them because apparently that's also taught in classes. The Sith are all called to Rasan to join in the war as the Sith are starting to lose. However, he takes a side quest to the unknown world Lahon, uh, which is home to the Rakata, the first dark side users. Here, he finds video game tie-in holocron for Death Revan. <laughs> With these lessons, he forms the rule of two because it takes two to make a thing go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. Before he leaves, he is. Um, Must you go on? <laughs> <laughs> Before he leaves, he fights Kasim, who was sent to kill him after Gethany had a vision of him destroying the Brotherhood. Brain sends a message to Sith Lord Commander Khan, pretending to be sorry and that he's coming to Rasan, and sends a Sith spell as an attachment on how to kill the Jedi called the Thought Bomb. Side note, there are also several sections in this book about Lord Hoth waiting for reinforcements from Dandy Master Fafala, who left to bring back 200 <laughs> Jedi as the battle is pretty much at a stalemate. Also, there's some kids named Rain and Bug running around. That's mostly in the comics, though. Yeah, that's only at the end of this book. The, the real lesson yeah. is don't open attachments from Sith. Mm-hmm. But we'll wait for those stupid kids until the next book. Uh, the planet of Rasan also contains bouncers, which are flying Muppets with force <laughs> powers that make you feel better. Yeah, let's just move on from that. Bane shows up on Rasan, and Khan sends Guthrie to kill it. She tries to kill him by kissing him with poison lips but Bane took the antidote. Bane is all hot and bothered for her now and wants to take her as her uh, apprentice, I guess, 
and kisses her some more. And then realize it sounds like some Gotham City shit. <laughs> Poison lips and Bane. Yeah. Is this Batman and Robin? I think it is. <laughs> I think this is Batman and Robin. Well, I mean, presumably there are a lot of nipples if Bane is walking around all hunky all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wears a shirt a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Oh, yeah. So then Bane realizes he got hit with the old double poison trip. Seriously, if the Jedi didn't see right through her, they deserve to fall. Bane tracks down our regular named character of the book, Caleb, a powerful healer. Caleb sticks his hand in some boiling water to act all like a hard ass, but Bane finds and threatens his daughter to get Caleb to heal him. Remember that daughter, she's going to be important in about two more months. <laughs> Bane heads back to her son, going past Master Fancy Pants, Farfall's blockade. Everyone is shocked he's still alive, but Bane convinces them um, to start thinking like the Sith and for them to make a force storm to drive Hoth and the Jedi out of hiding. It works, but before they can kill all of them, Khan breaks it to go finish off the Jedi by the ancient art of stabbing. Bane gets all pissed off and then goes back to camp where Headmaster Cordis from the school tells him that he thinks Bane is the man. And then Bane just goes ahead and kills him, letting him know he's going to destroy the Brotherhood. Bane calls the Sith fleet, ends the blockade, allowing the Jedi to come down and get the upper hand. Also, due to the destruction, the Force Muppets are going nuts and the Jedi spend a little time just killing innocent creatures. Khan orders a retreat, and because he's not, and because now he's going all nutty, he gets all the Sith to go into a cave to use the Thoth Bomb. Lord Hoth stays with some Jedi to keep the Sith from escaping, sending Farfalo and the Jedi away. Khan sets off the Force Bomb, killing all the Jedi and Sith by trapping them in a weird bubble. Bane, the last Sith left, comes upon Little Rain and, sensing her dark side powers, takes her as his new apprentice, Darth Xana. The end. Can we get out of the way first off? Thought Bomb is a stupid name and just move oh, on. Oh, God, it's terrible. Just move it's, on from that, okay? Okay. It's something. Did you read the comics? I read the comics. Okay. If they're not on Marvel Unlimited, I have not read them. They are on Marvel Unlimited. They I are. looked, I searched, and I did not find them. It's called Jedi versus Sith. Ah, I searched Darth Bane. Okay, well, because it's not about Bane, really. It, oh, it okay. Well, you should tell me what to search. It tells the story of the kids, mostly. Mm-hmm. It's the story of uh, Brain and Tomcat and, and the the kids, so the cousins, with a little bit of the other, with a little, little bit of Lord. You get to see what Lord Hoff looks like and things like that. And you get to see what old Lord Farfalla looks like, and he's got horse legs. <laughs> like they never what? really mentioned that in the book. That's, that's <laughs> something that should have been mentioned because his name is Farfalla. So I'm picturing like airy butterfly kind of character because he's fancy as well. I didn't picture a horse. To me, he's more like Kenneth Branagh in Harry Potter. That is exactly uh, who I pictured. <laughs> and he flies around in the comic. His ship looks like a pirate ship. It's like a gold yeah. pirate ship. It's so weird. And there's lots of bouncers in the comic. Yeah, too many bouncers. Yeah, I'm not too many bouncers. bouncers. I felt bad for them. Like, you know, the Jedi are going around killing them. Where do we want to start? Uh, this, book is, this book is written by a video game writer. I think it's important to keep that in mind. Drew Carpishan one of the writers of Knights of the Old Republic. Wow, I didn't know that. Because there are times in this book where he has, I would say, unnecessary attention to the detail of certain guns 
and certain lightsaber uh, forms. And I think that's sense. his game developer mind. You know, that's that's why he describes his muscles so much, too, probably. Sure. We'll call it that. OK, so I don't get the thirst you guys were talking about. He's never described as hot. He's just described as muscly. He's described as muscly a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, it's excessive, but, you know. There's a lot of detail in this book at times where it's like, you can't just mention the name. You can't just say, I hand him a blaster. You have to say, you know, he hands him an HK-47 mm-hmm. and start oh. going down the list of its stats. Yes. And you're like, because when it uh, yeah. when he's with his uh, ghost walkers and he talks about how he could have had a better gun, but this was his gun and it, it got very uh, yeah. full metal jacket for a second. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. It did. It did. I think a good place to start. Let's start where the Jedi and the Sith are at this point. Because it lays the groundwork for a lot of what goes on from here forward. I do think it's interesting. Lord Hoth, you know, who's the Army of Light commander. At this point in the Republic... They have the first human, well, non-Jedi. What's it called? The first non-Jedi chancellor. Yeah. yeah. And it was supposed to be Lord Hoth. Everybody thought was going to be the chancellor. And he kind of turned it down to be Lord Hoth in the army of light. And there's disagreement on the Jedi having this army. As well, there should be. Yeah. On the other side, you've got the Sith who have the Brotherhood under Khan. And the Brotherhood is, from everything we've ever read, or most that we read, is very non-Sith. Like, they really are Jedi, just with a little bit of dark side powers, I think, in the way they operate. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just, they're dark, they're an army of dark Jedi. Yeah, they're just not nice Jedi. They're just like, <laughs> we have force powers and we're kind of jerks. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, be- it's because, you know, and we'll get into Bane's philosophies. I mean, I mean, part of the appeal of Bane is he is the purest of all the Sith. Mm-hmm. He's the essence of being a Sith, really. Mm-hmm. I think. I think he's he's almost like there's a little Travis Bickle in him. Yeah. Normally we don't get to do this, but I like that we met him as just this like grumpy miner. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, having not read this before, having had no spoilers other than that I knew stories of Bane, I didn't know deep into the story. So when I'm first reading, I'm like, "Ooh, is Githany gonna become Darth Xana because they take different names that could have been her so I'm reading this all along going is it gonna be her she gets snapped (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then no it's not her (laughs) what what I find interesting though is the comics came out like years before this book yeah and then apparently there is a it's either a short book or a story that takes place even before the comic that talks about the thought bomb and talks oh, about the battle of Rusan. Yeah. The comic came out, tells the, tells the story of the battle of Rusan and through the eyes of these three kids, he gets a little freer in the next two books, but in this book, he was kind of, I think he does a good job, but he's very hemmed in by what that comic established. Mm-hmm. And there's dialogue that is the same, you know, mm-hmm. with a year, with years difference though. This isn't like a coordinated high Republic effort. This was like, he had, the, he had these comics and had to make sure he didn't contradict them. They do. He does a really good job with the world building of it, like setting up like the new Jedi Sith war. Like it, it's set up really well to where they're having this war and it's been going on for a while. And they go on to how, you know, the Republic is at his mining thing, trying to like sleazily recruit people <laughs> to join their side. And the Sith are picking up people too. But then most people, they have them kind of talk like, yeah, this is a Jedi Sith problem until all these people are gone. This is just going to keep going. 
Right. And we don't want anything to do with it anymore. What do we think of the idea of Jedi Chancellors? It, it makes sense. I mean, I feel like they would do a better job than what I've seen from every Chancellor I've ever read about so far. We get another Valorum in this series. <laughs> you do get another Valorum. I just want to see a really good, effective, strong Republic government sometime. That's all I want. It'll be boring mm-hmm. as hell, but I just want to see it for like a minute. Now you're making me sad in real life. <laughs> um, like, you know, yeah, me too. I'd like to see that too. You know, it was like hundreds of years they had Jedi chancellors. Almost like a theocracy. Does that mean that the, the Republic and the Jedi were born together? The, the Jedi were instru- instrumental in the Republic coming to be? It seems like it. Or well, did they meet up? You if know? they're the defenders of peace and light and justice, then seems like you couldn't really found much of a, a galactic government without them. You just need some stormtroopers. <laughs> to survive, the Sith had to vanish, becoming creatures of myth, legend, and nightmares. Hidden from the eyes of the Jedi, they could seek out the lost secrets of the dark side until its full power was theirs to command. Only then, once victory over their enemies was certain, would they tear aside the veil of shadows and reveal themselves. It's set so far in the past. I mean, it's only a thousand years which is way farther than High Republic, but not as far as KOTOR. It's another time where the Jedi lost their way, mm-hmm. like in the prequel era, right? They shouldn't be, and Hoth knows it. Hoth absolutely knows he's not doing the right thing. Hoth yeah. absolutely knows that he has gone over the bend and he is using the dark side, but he has decided that his soul is worth destroying the Sith and eliminating them as a threat. And he's kind of gone a little bit crazy about it. The Jedi are in a very bad place in this story in the same way that they are in a bad place in the Clone Wars. It very it very well it echoes the Clone Wars very well, I think. It's got some good parallels with High Republic too. Yeah. You know, just with the Jedi being this yeah, the army that have all these ships and all this stuff and there's some really good scenes with Lord Hoth and Forfala like arguing over it. And for Fala being kind of like, hey, you're going way too far on this. Like, I'll go get some more Jedi, but this has got to stop. For Fala is the Marquis de Lafayette of the story, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Not not even a question. Totally didn't even put that together. He goes away and he comes back with troops. Come on. Guns and ships. It's on disc one of Hamilton. Um, <laughs> Everyone give it up for America's favorite fighting prisoner. I always like when Jedi are a little more colorful. So I, I like that we had a dandy, you know, Jedi, you know, who, by the way, is still kind of awesome, like still worthwhile. He still you know? fights. Yeah. He still fights in a lightsaber battle. He's not a total fop. He's a good Jedi. I'm a leader. He just has his affectation. <laughs> so what do we think about Bane's kind of trajectory? Do you think it the book did a good enough job showing us how you can get from point A to part Bane, you know? I feel like the father thing was awfully heavy handed, but I mean, this is a series that has based itself on daddy issues. So I guess he's just following suit and that's fine. I like they included the like, he's not quite a slave, but he more or less is. Yeah. As a minor. And, you know, it's that whole debtor's prison, basically, that he's stuck here and they just keep racking up the bills and then... He's kind of hardened against the Republic and everything already because they're allowing this to happen. I I know it's not interesting for most people to read, but I honestly would have liked a little more of his thinking and and life that led him to be this 
angry, angry person because we we just kind of brush over like, oh, his dad called him his bane. And well, he also grew up in this mine. Right. I just don't feel like we get enough into his head early enough. We get into his head super deep later. And I think that's well done. But I think early on, I, I don't I don't think he's thinking about much. Yeah, he just wants his minor spot. He's surviving. Yeah. You know, all he's doing is surviving. Yeah, but nobody doesn't think about much. Even if you're living a life of wretched oppression, you think about something. He's the quiet, dark guy that just kind of works his job and doesn't talk to anybody or whatever. You know, like I, I get that. And, and to me, so not really getting in his head in the book made sense in a way that he's kind of opaque. Well, I, I think I would have liked to have seen him his early anger a little more fleshed out just to help build on where he ends up in this book. Because unlike you guys, I've not read this series before and I'm actually mad at myself now because the first book was really good and I have not touched the second book yet because I'm waiting. I mean, it's a shortcut, but it's just look at how he grew up. I know. This is how awful of a person he is. Well, I mean, we could have left out a couple of descriptions of his muscles to talk about his what? brain a little bit. No. I mean, you probably could have left out the 43rd writing of the Sith Creed, which is repeated over <laughs> a lot and over. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. There is a lot of Sith Creed. So did you know there is no peace? Yeah, there is no peace. Through strength, I am free. It's not like he discovers all of a sudden that he has force powers. Like he's always had them and he kind of uses them to cheat at cards and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like that he uses I them actually to cheat liked at cards. That, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and after reading that whole um, section, I think I can play Sabacc just from reading that. <laughs> the game designer, man, or yep. game writer, at least. Yeah, he, he was he was planning for there to be a Sabacc minigame. <laughs> yes. I do like we get to see him become the soldier for a little while, too. I think it would have been real easy to pick him up and throw him straight into the Academy on Korriban. Is this kind of the story of Solo? Yeah, yeah, a little close. Except instead of being a smuggler, he ends up a Sith Lord. Yeah. But when he's with the new Sith army, just as Dez, I think they do a good job in not making him like a bad guy. Like his troops no. that he works with love him. And, you know, that obviously becomes a, a huge thing in the third book. But I kind of like that section that people are drawn to him and he does have loyalty to people. Man, the comics do him dirty. They draw him ugly. They do. I didn't like how they drew him in the comics. No. He doesn't have to be super hunky, but they drew they do him a dirty in the comics. Yeah. Compared to the covers of the books. I, I didn't picture him as attractive, but uh, he didn't seem like he would be a, a total uggo. He looks like sloth in the comics. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they made, he, they made him kind of grotesque. Mm -hmm. Of the three, this is the one that follows the straightest, most kind of commonly tread trajectory storyline, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a pretty standard story of someone discovering who they should. I mean, it's is it that far off from a Harry Potter book? Yeah, I, especially with the Academy. It's very Harry Potter yeah. for a little right, while. Right, yeah. So it's a very well-worn territory. But what I think is great about it is it, it is the in-depth discussions about the Sith and the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And how he comes to this realization. The path ahead would be long and difficult. 
It might take years or decades before they could strike at the light once more. Perhaps even centuries. But Bane was patient. He understood what was to come and what must be done. You know, and, and it does make him this Christ-like figure. He has his time out in the desert, you know? Mm-hmm. There's the sequence where he goes to the, val- to, to the Valley of the Dead Sith, whatever it's called. Yeah. He should have died because he had no water and no food or whatever, and it's very Christ-like. Bane had already been mentioned before these books, and he had already been in that comic book, and I think they were trying to make him like this legendary figure. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the Sith Jesus. I did like with that, though. It would have been easy at that point in the book to have him find something in the Valley of the Masters and kind of follow that trajectory. Instead, they went with, yeah, it's all gone. There's nothing here for you to find. Yeah. And so he has to go back and kind of do it on his own, which I think made it a better story. Now, Beth, you have been the person most skeptical of Rule of Two as far as whether it's a good idea or not. Questioning why and and what it serves. And did this book help? It did because I can see Bane's point in that, yes, it's like cooks watering down the soup. It's too many Sith water down the dark side. Mm -hmm. And if everybody's equal, then who's in charge and who has the power if everyone is equal, which is, you know, great if you're running a happy democracy, but you're not running a happy democracy if you're the Sith and you're trying to, if you're actually running the Sith and you're actually trying to take power and you're actually trying to, you know, run the dark side and these guys aren't doing it. So it, they're Sith in name only. Yes. There's Sinos. <laughs> There's so many of them that nobody's a true Sith because they're all trying to, I mean, what Sith would teach all these people? He has a great point. There's no Sith that would be like, yes, let's raise an army of Sith and let's teach all our secrets to just everybody who comes along. Sith wouldn't do that. That's a Jedi thing. Why do you come to my tomb? Jedi. To learn. Do you know who I am? Yes. Darth Bane. The ancient Sith Lord you are. And know why I am not forgotten? Created the rule of two. You did. The Sith killed each other. Victims of their own greed. But from the ashes of destruction, I was the last survivor. I chose to pass my knowledge on to only one. I created a legacy so resilient that now you come before me. (laughs) Have you come to be my apprentice? You must kill me to gain my place. Dead you are already. And you get a little like I know uh what's his name? Uh is it Cordis who's the lightsaber master? Mm-hmm. They do a little bit where he holds back and doesn't teach him some forms, but yeah, like you said, all the Sith in this feel real watered down. Like none of them are real strong masters. And yeah, they kind of I, follow Khan around, but And Khan is not strong at all. Githany's stronger than him. Yeah. Just because she sees that he's weak and powerless and I mean, really, most of them are weak and powerless. That's why they're all willing to bow down and be like, oh, okay, so Darth Bane is it? All right, we'll follow you then. Well, what Bane kind of recognizes is that in a one-on-one fight, the light's always going to win. Right. Like, that's just not their strength. And so that's, you know, he the, the word you, were, he, you will read many times in these books is the word cunning. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it seems to be Bane's number one requirement in a Sith is that, is that they have cunning, that they use their their brains as opposed to their brawn because he knows they're not going to win that way. Yeah. You know, he just knows this isn't how we win. If we come face to face, the light is actually too strong for us to face like out in the open. Well, especially the way that they are at that point when he joins yeah. them, there's no way they would win. Well, they're trying to be the Jedi like they. Yes. Yeah. You can't have an order of bad guys. Right. Yes. You ever seen a movie or read a book ever? Doesn't work. Khan has basically shaped them into a league of dark Jedi. But from everything else that we've ever read and seen, does two work either? I mean, what is the right number of Sith? Because two obviously doesn't help much either. Well, in a th- it ends up working for a little while. It works. I mean, I for mean, a minute. It, in a thousand years, a Sith takes over the galaxy. For a minute. The last Sith in Bane's line, right? Yeah. And that seems to be something this new Sith are big on, too. You know, they don't want him studying the old scrolls and all that stuff. Bane takes a much longer view of the Sith versus this new Sith. They're just, yep, right here, we're going to win, and then I guess we're going to be in charge, but... Yeah, why fight a war when you can just lie and wait for 400 years? Right. Bane has no illusions that he's going to that he's gonna see the fall of the Republic. Mm-hmm. I, I think part of the the treatise in these books, in this book, this book is that Bane is successful in Palpatine. You know, he is setting the model for Palpatine. Yes, it only lasts for twenty years. We've discussed how kind of silly that is, but he does he does end up winning. Mm-hmm. Well, and he he does say in the book, he says, "I'm not going to see it happen, but it's going to happen." Though he himself might not live to see the triumph of the dark side, those who followed him would carry on his legacy. Someday in the distant future, the Republic would fall, and the Jedi would perish, and the entire galaxy would bow down to a dark lord of the Sith. So he's yeah. he's not pulling a, a Tenebris or a Plagueis where he's like, you know, I'm just going to live forever and keep taking over bodies until I run the world. Bane is, <laughs> Bane is playing the long view, but he's not expecting that he's going to be the one who's going to be around to see it. We'll come back to that in a few weeks. <laughs> All right, I'll put a pin in that. <laughs> I, I like how Carpishan depicts his kind of um, his righteousness mm-hmm. that he falls into, his kind of born again spirit almost, and and all of a sudden, you know, his because he's kind of trying to be the Sith Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. He makes the decision that the Sith need to all die, yeah, in order, you know, <laughs> except for him. <laughs> And he has he has that really good crisis in his consciousness too after that first duel where he you know kills the guy and loses the force lightning and all that and then he starts to rethink it and his powers go away almost immediately and it yeah. allows him to be taken down and so it gives him that real concrete like if you're going to be in you got to be all in or yeah. you're not going to have access to all these powers and he is a man who is all in yeah after that he, <laughs> yeah yeah he's in I had forgotten. I, I I knew where the apprentice came from, so I, I did not think it was going to be Bethany. But I had forgotten about Bethany, and so reading this book, and then all of a sudden she gets dusted or ghosted or whatever happens with them with the stupid thought bomb. Most of them are vaporized. Githany is uh, just turned to ash. Yeah, right. Githany's a little much though. Like every time they're like, yeah, and Githany walked into the room, swaying Sexily. her hips, and everyone looked, and I'm like, hey. Uh, I was going to bring that up. The um, writer's depiction of Githany was a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, like, how did the Jedi not look at Githany and be like, this is a problem? 
Okay, in the first, her first appearance, you tell me how attractive she is. That's fine. Every time she moves for the rest of the book, (laughs) it's going to tell me how attractive she is. When she gets dusted like she's a a vampire in Buffy. Yeah. They talk about how she felt her her beautiful features turning to ash. (laughs) Like, okay, really? He was very obsessed with her beauty. (laughs) I don't know. How did she ever get past the trials? (laughs) Yeah. Because she's rotten. (laughs) She's awful. She's just rotten. Like, like, it's so weird that she's a Jedi. Yeah. How did she hide that from anybody? If it had been like, even like, uh, uh, she betrayed him and she's having maybe do- like rethinking it or something. But nope, she marches in that academy and starts laying plans to take them all down. So you think you could play Savak now? Do you think you could uh, duel in different lightsaber forms now? God. I sure know a lot about them. <laughs> I do like that the... Um, Blade Master held back the uh, using two lightsaber form until he got to where it's a real life and death situation. Oh, I love all that Princess Bride shit. I thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He finally teaches him how to defend against the double bladed lightsaber. And then he gets him into the fight and he's like, ah, I'm not left handed. <laughs> and uh, I thought I thought that was really cool. I mean, the book is still kind of fun, though. Yeah. Well, because video games are fun. So a book written like a video game is still going to be fun. Well, well, I mean, like, it's such a dark story and it's such a dark book. But so was like Phasma. Mm. But I wouldn't call Phasma fun. No. This book is still fun. It's still light enough. And despite how bleak it is, it's still light enough and adventure enough that I enjoy it, that I had fun with it. And they do a good job of making Bane a good protagonist, too, because his plan is awful. Like, he's he's the bad guy and does terrible things. But at the same time, I'm like, come on, Bane, you can do it. Go force lightning that dude in the duel. <laughs> you are kind of pulling for Bane. Are you? I was. I yeah. Mean, yeah. What what was the, the most heroic part? The part where he used the force to murder his father or part where he used the force to murder some guy who didn't do anything to him in a random lightsaber duel at at Sith school. Okay, first of all, he's at Sith school. Yeah, but they're not killing. He almost gets kicked out of Sith school. Because because they're not real Sith? Well, well but when he does kill somebody, he gets he gets to promoted. be the prefix. He gets to be the gold star. He becomes Percy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that's how you get to be head boy. <laughs> I found him compelling enough of a protagonist that I could go with him on his evil deeds. He is he is compelling. I didn't find myself rooting for him except to, I guess maybe I did root for him a little bit to take out the rest of these Sith pretenders. Yeah. Because if I'm going to have evil, yeah. if there's going to be evil, I want it. I want my evil, you know, not to pussyfoot around. Oh, I'm totally down for the like evil Ocean's Eleven that happened in the last like. <laughs> 100 pages of this book. The fact that he's got this whole plot to blow them all up, I'm, I'm pulling for him every step of the way. I, I did like they created this mythology of Hoth's 99, you know? Yeah. The 99 Jedi that going down with him to sacrifice themselves so that they'll use the thought bomb and stuff. So there, there is some Jedi mythology being built. Have we determined if Lord Hoth is related to the planet or not? Uh, that bothered me. Maybe they, it's like an honorary naming. They found some crap ice planet and we're like, right. uh, name, name that one after Hoth. He did a great job. After that Jedi that died. Yeah. That, that guy who took those 99 dudes to die with him. Wait, wait till you hear about the adventures of Lord Tatooine. I did like they included some stuff with like your normal Sith grunt trooper too. Like you would see them every once in a while and they kind of talk about one. 
And so you kind of got to see like, who are these people that are like, yep, I'm signing up with these guys. And it was a decent job enough to understand it. Like they don't really like the Dark Lords that much and all that stuff, but they hate the Republic more. So it's just the same cycle of separatists in the Republic and- yeah. You know, it's all it's all the one it's all the same fight. Big government versus small government. <laughs> you know, it's just the same fight over and over again. And I think it they do a better job at this than sometimes they did in the Clone Wars, at least the movie Attack of the Clones. Like when the Sith Lords show up on the battlefield, it changes the battle immediately. Like they're yeah. fighting and all yeah. of a sudden, uh oh, it's a Lord, and they're just roaring through, chopping people in half and and they're using battle meditation, right? Yeah, Khan uses a lot of battle mm-hmm. meditation. Yeah, that's that's kind of his big trick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does have that kind of power to rile people up and win them to his side. I had forgotten that it was Revan's holocron that he finds. Yeah. Like, I mean, I obviously read it before, but when it ended up being Revan, I was like, oh, and then now you say he wrote Kotar. Totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said earlier, that's part of his legacy, coming down the chain, you know, mm-hmm. what Revan did or Revan's thoughts when he was actually the Sith, you know, that that's the interesting part of Revan as a character. He was at one time at, at once one of the most powerful Sith Lords that ever lived and one of the most powerful and good Jedi that ever lived. Mm-hmm. He was both of them. And how convenient that uh, Bane destroys the Holocron as soon as he's like, well, I wrote all this stuff down on a piece of paper, so I guess I don't need this anymore. And then he just crushes it. It's like those f- 15 commandments that Moses brought down. From <laughs> no, I like that, though. I like when he was like, all right, I know it. Nobody else needs to now. Crunch. Yeah. Well, considering he ended up destroying the place anyway. He, he very much is kind of their Anakin. Yeah. And he, and he kind of ends up doing the same thing that Anakin does. <laughs> Mm-hmm. bring balance kind of, you know, like, like, I mean, I guess there are still Jedi left over mm-hmm. once he's done. I enjoy the whole book, but I, re- once his plan kicks in and once he's like, and it's not, it's not a particularly like clever plan, but once he's be- determined, like, Nope, I've got to destroy the brotherhood. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Like, I want to see that happen and I want to see how he does it. One thing I like they did with this character to the, the sequence with Caleb, the healer, you know, after he yeah. threatens the daughter and gets Caleb to heal him from the poison and all that, there's that sequence where he decides not to kill Caleb. And this comes out throughout the trilogy of him saying, there's no point to kill this person. Like I can use yeah. you again someday. So nope, you're free to go. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good character inclusion with him. Cause a lot of stuff you would see just like, yeah, he'd fry him at the end. I got what I wanted. Force lightning. He is what we call lawful evil in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. That, that would be his alignment. He's not a psychopath. No, and and he doesn't know that he's not going to get Sinox poisoning again. Right. There's this he, guy he knows who knows how to cure it. Why kill him? Drew does a very good job of creating a, a compelling, and like you said, though, very evil guy. <laughs> like that's, I mean, he is, I'm not going to defend him as a man. <laughs> he's real rough. Now, He's not wrong at times either, you know? And I can't think, they do a lot of explaining about where Caleb lives, and it comes out a lot more. Is that from something else, the lake with the dark side powers? I don't know. I've never heard of it before, but I also, I'm, I just assumed it might be something that ties into something else later, because it seems like it's important. A dark side lake. It comes 
comes up later, but they don't like go into like the story of it. Okay. So here's a question at the end or towards the end during the final battle. So the Jedi, you know, are hiding out in the trees and they can't find them. So they unleash the force storm. Um, He teaches them how to do it. And then Khan breaks it to go make stabbings. If Khan doesn't break it, because the force storm was going to work, like it was working. If he yeah. doesn't break it, what does Bane do? Yeah. Did he? Did Bane just assume he would do it? Like, is that part of the plan that he knew Khan wouldn't be able to resist breaking it and going into the battle? And then he had them all available at once to set up the thought bomb. Or yeah, I don't know. It, it is weird because he does kind of give him a way to win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the thought bomb was to set up the whole time. No, but he's saying like the Force Storm, if they had just kept going with the Force Storm, they would have won and Lord Khan would have been the victor. But he didn't want him to be the victor. Right. Then why did he teach him how to do the Force Storm? That's what that's the question. Yeah. Why then did he teach him how to do the Force Storm? Why did he give him the weapon that looked like it could have could have actually worked? I guess, yeah, the idea is he would have had to have one of those, oh, I, I you know, one of those kind of like Thrawn, like, and you know, I know that about him, you know, mm-hmm. he would never be able to, to, it was like, I don't know, man, it seems like if the war, if he was like, oh, man, I'm going to win the war. Yeah, let it roll, man. Let it roll. <laughs> Yeah, this is going great. Like, yeah, like I, I don't know. Um, I I don't know why he if he's assuming they would have done that. I'm not. A, I'm not sure why he's assuming that. We're not privy to that information. I don't know that his ultimate goal is to destroy the Jedi, though. Immediately, his ultimate goal immediately, like the the main target right now, is the Sith. It's to take out the Brotherhood, and the Force Storm doesn't. The Force Storm doesn't take out the Brotherhood. The Force Storm isn't meant to. No, but the Force Storm would have won the war for the Brotherhood. Yeah. And then he's still got to take out the Brotherhood. Yeah, so why do that step? Although I guess, you know, he took down a lot of Jedi at the yeah. time. But he didn't call in the blockade before, because he doesn't call out the blockade until after the Force Storm. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That part was weird. It's a little muffled, I think. Yeah. And um, uh, reasoning-wise, but... Well, while we're there, let's talk about the thought bomb. <laughs> it's, it's Do we have to? Dumb as it's called. Yeah, the name is so bad. First of all, it's well, hard. I mean, do you feel? I mean, it's better than mom. It's worse than momish. It, it is. is. It's worse than momish. And it's not really a thought bomb. Like it, no, it's a force bomb. <laughs> it's a dark side bomb. Call it something, anything else. Call it a Death Star. Who cares? <laughs> I guess whatever happened before the comic, where it came from, the thought bomb is a thing. Like, they don't make it with their force powers. Like, it's already there, and then they go down and activate it. So it's like this weapon they had, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Um, I mean, it's a neat concept, I guess, that they're all, all their spirits don't go over to the force. They're all trapped in this weird silver egg thing. Is it that? It reminded me of Superman too. <laughs> Did they ever do the story where someone cracks it? Not that I know of. Let's them and, out. And is it just still there? Like if you go to Rasan, can you go down in this cave and be like, yeah, don't touch that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's said that they were dead, but that they. It's like their spirit is trapped or something. But their spirit is trapped so that it's frozen so it can't move. Yeah, it can't join the force. What happens if you do go and touch it? You're going to let out a g- bunch of guys who aren't terribly nice. I mean, it's not like they're super evil. 
Oh, somebody, is it in the comic they touch it? Or is it the next book? Somebody, it's in the comic, I think. Somebody touches it and you can just like feel it and it's awful. And that's yeah. all it is. Yeah, it's just feel the pain. and the. Well, I guess if you get hundreds and hundreds of crappy Sith together, they could make like a bad mm-hmm. feeling. Now, that is one good thing about the comic, though. I do like the more in-depth Tomcat Rain stuff with how the Thought Bomb affects them and kind of what they learn from it. The comic thing is weird because they decided with the novel to leave out everything with the kids mm-hmm. until the very end. And it does make Rain's appearance very strange mm-hmm. and, ab- and, and abrupt. That's why I just assumed that Githany was going to end up being Darth Xana because I was confused because I, I didn't know where the hell she was coming from. Yeah, you weren't given any setup. It, it is a strange decision because there is this whole other story that is they are the primary characters. Yeah. Rain and Tomcat are the primary characters of the comic. <laughs> like there's lots of Hoth and there's lots of I mean, it's worth reading, checking out just for the like some of the art to give you some images of some of the characters, you know, get to see that big ass pirate ship mm-hmm. and all horse legs and all and his horse legs. So I, is that mentioned in the book at all? I no, don't. Not I don't at remember. all. I I would have remembered that. No. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I think it's a good it's a good setup. Like, it, obviously, it was planned as a trilogy, but they do a good job of getting Bane to the part where he is a Sith Lord. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about that I did like too is the Darth thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that none of the Brotherhood, they got rid of Darth. And so you can be a a Sith Master or whatever. Again, just like the Jedi. And then Bane comes back. He's like, nope, I would be Darth Darth Bane. Call me that. He had a good point. They didn't deserve the title. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Is that the Sith is all about strength and, you know, what, what they perceive to be strength. And it just goes against everything they believe in to say that we're all equals. Mm-hmm. They can't be. Someone's always better than somebody else. Someone's always more powerful than somebody else. Right. And why, why is everybody following Khan if he's not in charge? Yeah, that well, you can't be in charge and say you're not in charge. You're still in charge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you get in arguments about like Soviet Russia and stuff, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like where everyone's supposed to be equal, but you know, Stalin's was still a millionaire, you know, mm-hmm. but no, no, but you're right. He does have this, uh, animal farm, you know, everyone's equal. I'm just a little more equal than everybody else type of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it It is contradictory that he's that this idea um but it's also but also because it doesn't work right it's not right for the sith mentality like they're not they're not strong because they're not they're not trying to backstab each other <laughs> so they're not they're not getting any better they're not getting any sh- more powerful and they all kind of start to fall in line like towards the end there there's a whole bunch of people being like come on bang take me with you <laughs> but he doesn't want them he doesn't yeah. want any more you know they don't have any edge to them Well, he considers them all at that point, too. There's nobody from the Brotherhood he could take with him. No matter how many of them throw themselves at his feet, they're tainted by the Brotherhood. He doesn't want them. Githany's the only one he wants. Well, and and Githany is clearly tainted by the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah. And she she fails his test, and he's like, yeah, yeah, she's got to die with everybody else. Just like the Jedi. And he's just thinking, oh, I need to find somebody who hasn't been messed with by either side. Hey, here's a kid. 
<laughs> I said, just like the Jedi, you gotta get him young. You can't get him yeah, old. Gotta get him young. Yep. Satisfied that his work on Rusan was done, he began the long hike to where he'd hidden his ship. He knew the remaining Jedi would come looking for survivors, but by the time they arrived, he would be long gone. Still one thing troubled him. In order for all this to come to pass, he had to find a suitable apprentice. One strong in the Force, but not yet tainted by the teachings of the Jedi. Somewhere he needed to find a child, worthy of becoming heir to all the power of the dark side. This always strikes me. This one especially got me that. I mean, this was written 15 years ago, which, I mean, is a while ago. But God, the EU now just seems so much further in the past. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah. Yeah, it does. If you would have asked me just randomly to guess, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this came out in like 98 or something. I don't know. But 2006 seems. No, it, it feels older. Yeah, older. Because it's in that old style still. Yeah, I think the books like this age better. The the ones that I have very little interest in going back and rereading, with with some exceptions, are the ones that are telling the main story in the future. Because those all feel pointless now, right? Like yeah. going back and reading the books that take place six years, seven years, ten years after Return of the Jedi, those all feel like... I, I do think we should probably go back and check out Heir to the Empire again, oh, but... Yeah. But but even Heir to the Empire fits in this category of things that like those are really null and void. Those really don't mean anything anymore. These books that are more side characters, way in the past, things like that, they're a lot safer. They just age better. They're more timeless. The last question I have, and this is really just for Beth, because me and Chad know how it ends. What do you want to see in the next two books? Well, I assume he's going to win and take over the galaxy, right? I mean, obviously, we're not going to tell you. <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to go into it. I'm going into it as unspoiled as possible. All I know of Darth Bane is, you know, the legends that I've heard other Sith Lords tell of him. So I, I know nothing going into what happens next besides, you know, Xana's becoming, going to become Darth Xana and... Uh, I'm assuming at some point they're going to have a lightsaber fight to the death and he'll probably get more evil. You could count on him getting more evil. I'm enjoying it. And even though I know everyone else but me knows what's going to happen and where it's going, I, I'm in for the ride because the first book is really good and it's great setup. Ryan and I were talking. I don't remember how the third book ends. I'm excited to keep it going, but yeah. because I don't want us to have to cover three books in a row and try to keep them straight. I am breaking this up a little bit. So I'm reading something else before I start the second book. Well, so are we, because we're going to take a little bit of a break from our little dive into Darth Bane to catch us up on the High Republic. So next time we are going to be discussing Tempest Runner, which is the new, what are we calling him? Audio plays? Audio play, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Radio drama. Radio drama by Kevin Scott, just like with Dooku Jedi Lost and with the Dr. Afra one that we didn't do. That's apparently terrible. Uh, it is a fully cast and sound affected. That's really not the word. Audio drama about Lorna D of the Night Hill. 
but yeah, and we're going we're gonna to discuss that. And um, I've already listened to it and I'm going to have to listen to it again because there are no summaries online. Um, do you guys see what I mean about the guy who does the voice of Martian Rose sounding like John Malkovich now? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Very distracting to me. All right. Well, thanks guys for joining us and we will talk to you all very, very soon. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh. Roger, roger.